Well, good morning. Man, it is great to have you here. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So, uh, hey, two years ago, uh, we were wandering around, Steve Belzer and I, in these uh, thickets about up to here, and uh, there were little orchards, and uh, we actually kicked out a couple deer, and uh, remember this, Steve? And uh, that was right here. That was on this place as we were wandering through trying to figure out what God might have in store. And uh, a couple, probably what, a couple months after that, actually probably more than that even, uh, my wife and I were out here. Uh, we had just cleared some of the ground a little bit and uh, three little bucks came up out of the cornfield and ran across us and down into the, and that was right here. I'm telling you, we were standing like right, so that was God telling me this was our place. <laughs> And, uh, you know, we were just thrilled to see what God's doing. Hey, we started a stewardship campaign a couple years ago called Going Home. We were on our way home. Hey, Harvest Bible Chapel, we are home. Amen? Amen. Yeah. I love what God is doing in this place, but more than that, I love what God is doing in your hearts and lives as he is stirring a fervor for him like never before. Here's the question. God started a great work. And uh, so what's our job to continuing and honoring him? How do we honor our king from here forward? That's the question. And so that's what we're going to be answering today. Uh, turn with me, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verses 1 through 7, 2 Corinthians 4. We got the ushers coming forward. They've got Bibles in their hands. So uh, if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. We'll get one to you. Uh, Lord willing, we'll have enough. So just raise your hand and they'll get one to you. All right, be patient. Keep your hand up. They'll get one there. 2 Corinthians 4. Hey, we take the Bible seriously. We walk through it verse by verse. You definitely want to have a Bible with you, all right? Lord, how do we honor you from here forward? What must we be doing that you might get the greater glory. First point, first step. We will not lose heart, but run to his holiness and uphold his word. We will not lose heart, but run to his holiness and uphold his whole word. If we just start in chapter 4, verse 1 here, it says, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. Word starts out, therefore. And so when we see the therefore, we say, yeah, what's the therefore, therefore, right? This word has a purpose. It's a connecting word. And so for those of you who are new with us, yes, we're a little weird, but that's what we say. All right. Challenge that question. When you see that connecting word, what's the point of it? And, and it's telling you this, something huge. Just came before it. And because of it, we're now called to action. That's what the word means. And so if you look in chapter 3, verse 18, it tells us what that huge thing is. It says, and we all, with unveiled face, meaning God has torn back that which blinds and we now see him and understand, beholding the glory of the Lord, we're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Statement made. The Holy Spirit pouring out His glory upon us, changing us, literally transforming us from one degree of glory to another. Look, we do not change because we muscle it. 
We do not change because we're putting our best effort forward. Uh, God changes us. Yeah, we cooperate and our cooperation is called for, but it's a divine miracle. Every moment we begin to look more like him. And God at work in our lives, pouring his glory over us and transforming us. Chapter four, verse one. Therefore, are you hearing it? Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Having this ministry, the privilege of being beside God and seeing him work in our lives individually, but also in the lives of those around us, of friends and family. And as he's done miracle after miracle within us, having the privilege of being a part of that, this ministry, by the mercy of God, now we didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. God poured it on. He lavished it on as the great and mighty king of the universe saying, look, yeah, punishment was probably what was required here, but I'm giving you something greater. I'm giving you a taste of me for eternity and the mercy of God almighty at work in our lives and the ministry that we can be a part of, of hearts changing towards him. That's what this place is all about. God transforming lives day by day, moment by moment, in every way possible. That's our prayer that God would rock our world. He says, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. That phrase means we do not lack desire. We won't lack drive. We're not going to give up. There's no turning back. Our king will be glorified. Do not lose heart. That's what we're called to. Next step, once we're committed to him and focused on him, he calls us to a step of holiness. Listen to what he says here. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning. Renounce and refuse. Like, don't do these things. And we're done with that. I don't want to hear about it anymore. And no more. That's where we're at. No more. We refuse, we renounce. It says we renounce disgraceful and underhanded ways. Disgraceful and underhanded. You know, the things were like when somebody knows you did it, you hang your head. If your mom was in the room, you wouldn't want it voiced. You know what I'm talking about? The disgraceful and underhanded ways. The things that honor not Jesus Christ and his glory and perfection, but rather they honor the evil one and everything he's about. It's about bringing things to myself in disgraceful and underhanded ways. We need to set those things aside. In fact, it says we refuse to practice cunning. What does that mean? It means we're not trying to grow the church by tricking people. It means we're not trying to see more numbers just because we happen to say things in a certain way and we're going to avoid the actual truth. That's not what we're going to be about. It means the truth of God's word and the truth of Jesus Christ will be proclaimed clearly and evidently always that God might get the greater glory. Amen. Yeah, that was a good spot for an amen. That's what we're all about in this place. May we not practice cunning trying to maneuver and trick, but instead let's just be real about who God is and what he's doing in our lives and let's watch God work. The greatness of our God at work. We refuse, 
we renounce. Like, we're done with that. Just say those words with me. We're done with that. Louder and bigger. We're done with that. Like, I don't know where you've been, and I don't know where you are, but today's the day to be done with that. Renounce. Refuse. Put it behind. Not to be loved. Not earning salvation. That's something that's a great gift that we accept. Not to be loved, but because we are loved. A God who's lavished it on, and Lord, help me respond to you and give you anything I can. I'm stunned with your greatness. He says right after it, or to tamper with God's word. Or to tamper with God's word. Tamper, that means like ding around with. Stop playing with it and trying to make it your own in a way that actually changes it and affects it. Don't tamper with God's word. Don't play with it like it's a toy. Make sure that the word of God is lifted up preeminent is where he's pointing to. Tampering. Hey, top three ways you can tamper with God's word. Uh, Number one, uh, you add to it. Yeah, God's word is nice there. I get it. I understand what he was saying, but... Let me just tell you a few extra things I'd like to say, right? Scripture says that we're saved by faith alone and trusting in him. And, but I'd like to add a few things to that, right? That that's tampering with God's word. And, uh, second step, uh, removing or subtracting things from God's word. Uh, We teach the whole counsel of God's word here. All right. And and a lot of guys grow churches by saying, you know what? Uh, We know that God is love. And so we're always going to talk about how loving he is. And there's a truth to that. We have a great loving God, but he's also holy and righteous. And he calls us to something in him. And may we not just teach passages that are all about hope and all about future and potential, forgetting the fact that we're called to arms with our king. Forgetting the fact that he says, uh, count it all joy when you fall into various troubles, trials. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. Hey, God uses some messed up stuff sometimes to grow us. It's very biblical. Let's not teach health, wealth, and prosperity. That's partial gospel. Let's teach whole gospel. Our king has a plan. And sometimes, man, it is all clicking and working out. And other times he's teaching us through some heartaches. But God always has it under control. Whole counsel. Don't subtract. Don't add. And the last piece is just don't avoid God's word. Tampering. Like I say I'm about God's word, but then the first thing I do is set it down and I tell you the latest magazine article that I read. Uh, I tell you this great story that I had and it takes 49 minutes and I'm done. Like tampering with God's word, it's, it's an illusion to using it, but not using it. Right? Be careful with that. And we need to not be about it here. Let me just tell you, one of our pillars here at Harvest Bible Chapel is that we proclaim the authority of God's word without apology. Second Timothy 4.2, preach the word. Can it get more clear? Right? Like that's what we're going to be about here. Uh, that's what we're all about here. And every service will always have some element of God's word being lifted up. And there might be times where we're in the baptismal. Did you see this baptismal? Is this not awesome? Yeah, who wants to be first in that bad boy, right? I'm telling you. But God's given us a great building here. And and whether we're celebrating in that way or some other way, there will still be a piece of the word brought that day. God will be challenging us from his word each week. We will preach the word. All right? No tampering 
with God's word. No tampering with God's word. So what should we do then? Well, he says right after it. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Open statement of the truth. Just read it as it is and say it as it is and let God speak. Uh, Welcome to Harvest Bible Chapel. That's what we're going to be about here. Just Lord, teach us from your word. We're going to take it word by word and phrase by phrase. What do you want us to know? That you might get the greater glory. And he says at the end, I commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Conscience. It's that little moral compass inside of you that God designed. Romans chapter 2 talks about it. It's the proof of a God outside. Where there's a real sense of right and wrong. And, And he says, look, we're asking you to check your moral compass. And if you think we're doing something wrong, then get your compass fixed. Right? But we commend ourselves to your moral compass. That alone should be speaking to you about what we're doing. We will not tamper with God's word. We will not use cunning. We will not try to do trickery to grow the church. Our goal is hearts on fire. And all of God's people said, and that's what we're talking about. Do not lose heart. Hey, this past summer, uh, 2012 Summer Olympics, 4 by 400 uh, relay, uh, U.S. men's. Uh, they'd taken the gold eight prior times when they'd run, and a lot of pressure on them to take the gold again in the ninth. And uh, two of their main guys were injured, and so they were doing it with some backups. And they were actually had a pretty strong backup crew, but they all felt the weight. And so one guy, Monteo Mitchell, uh, especially felt the weight. Well, on his leg of the 4 by 400 in preliminaries, he was giving it his all. And at the halfway point, he said, I swear it was at 201 meters. As I was raising my leg, I felt a snap. But more than just feel it, I heard it. Imagine tens upon tens of thousands of people screaming at the top of their lungs as these guys are running around. And somehow over that, he hears. And in that moment, he pulled up a little lame. And he looked up and one of his teammates was standing on the side going, come on. And he thought, we have tried too hard for me to quit on this. I'm driving through. I'm driving through. His statement was, I had three words, faith, focus, and finish. And that's all I kept saying as I was running faith. Focus and finish and I was driving to the end with all I had faith focus and finish And as he got to the moment where he passed the baton across and collapsed on the side Medical attention got there. They picked him up took him to the hospital. It turned out he had snapped his fibula And ran on it for 200 meters Uh, He gave his team a chance and actually the u.s. Team went forward because of his effort if he had laid down right there They'd be out Uh, They went forward uh, without him running. Somebody else ran, thank the Lord. And uh, somebody else ran, and they ended up taking silver medals that year. And uh, for all of them, it was a huge mark uh, as a couple of their main lead guys had to cheer from the side. And Monteo still in a cast and, and trying to figure things out that way. Hey, do not lose heart. That's what it looks like, is in the middle of the race, and you might have taken a hit. I'm not done. Faith. And focus and finish 
And that's where we need to be. That's where we need to be individually. That's where we need to be as a church. God, bring it on. Whatever you have, I'm willing to stay with you, Lord. You are sovereign and I trust you. You teach me what you want done and I'll follow you. You are my king. So question for you. How driven are you for Jesus Christ? Are you willing to run that race? Snapped leg and all. Lord, I'm here for you, for your glory. Too much is at stake. May you be lifted up. Are you finishing strong? That's our challenge. No distraction. Set aside that sin that so easily entangles. And run after him. Your eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of your good faith. Do not lose heart. So one question. What's the stuff that's tripping you up you need to let go of today? When is it you begin to lose heart? Picture yourself literally taking that and putting it at the feet of Christ and saying, I'm done. It will not distract me again. My eyes are fixed on you, my King and my Lord. Just set it down and watch him work. That's our first step is do not lose heart. Second, we will recognize that there is a spiritual war for our hearts. There is a spiritual war for our hearts. Check it out in verse 3. He says, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. Veiled, this means like covered up. If it doesn't make sense, if you're looking at the gospel and you don't get who Jesus Christ is, this passage is about to tell you what's going on. Eyes open wide now. He says, we don't get it. Well, that means then that we're perishing. What is that all about? It means when we don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we need to understand where the end is at. It's eternal separation from him. That's what this word means. It means no life in Christ. And so without him, we, we long for him. We don't get it. We hurt. And maybe you're in that position today where the gospel makes no sense. Man, these next few words are for you. He says that the God of this world, notice little g, God of this world, that means it's not capital G God. It's not God Almighty, our King and Creator, but this is little g God, Satan himself. The little created being, not little to us necessarily, but little to God Almighty, nothing but a created being, and he has a job at hand, which is to blind, to blind the minds of those who don't believe. To make it hard to step over, to confuse the message. There's somebody pushing against you right now if you don't trust in him. And now's the time to say, Lord, I want to be done with that. He says, to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. He prevents the light from shining in the darkness. Hear me right now. If you trust in Christ as your savior... You've got a job to do in the next two minutes, and that's to be praying that this place be unleashed, that the Almighty have his way right here. Be praying that the little G, God of this world, has nothing to say right now. There is a gospel at hand that we must hear about. What is this gospel? Hey, it means good news. 
And I'd be completely remiss if we didn't talk about it today in complete. So here's what the gospel is, all right? Four verses real quick that we'll cover. First, Romans 3.10. Hey, there is none righteous. Yeah, not one. Right? It means nobody's perfect. And so the simple question for you is, can you say, I'm not perfect? That's where we need to be first if we're embracing the gospel, the good news. Can you say, yeah, I'm not perfect? Uh, usually we can. If you can't, please talk to me afterwards. We got a little talking to do. All right. Yeah, I'm not perfect. That's a pretty easy one. Next one, Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Hey, this word sinned, it's, it's nothing but a sports term. Did you know that? It's an archery term. It means to pull back the arrow and shoot, aiming for the bullseye and missing the bullseye, actually missing all the rings, missing the whole target, coming up short, sand. That's what you hit is nothing but turf. And everybody around in the sports arena watching the archery would have gone, oh, he sinned. All right. It wasn't a religious statement. It was a sports statement. It's a lot like our basketball term today, right? Dude pulls up at three point land and he's shooting somewhere around a 22 footer and uh guy shoots about 18 and a half feet coming up kind of short, right? And the whole crowd cheers. That's what we're talking about. It's a sports term. It just means we've all shot an air ball, right? That's it for we've all shot an air ball. Nobody's perfect. We've come up short. We missed the mark. What's the penalty of that? Who cares? Romans 6.23, the wages of sin, the payment for missing the mark, eternal separation from our God. Eternal separation. Like we have a choice to come running to his side or to stand on our own. And if we live in our own activity, in our own action, well, it's eternal separation from him. That's the payment. Hang on. Are you telling me then every single person is imperfect and therefore every single person owes this penalty. And so nobody heaven bound, nobody with God almighty ever. Yeah, that's what we're saying ever on your own. What is the answer then? Last half of Romans six twenty three. but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The good news messages, we cannot get there alone. They're all air balls. Everything we shoot, no matter how hard we try. And we're like, hey man, I'm doing a lot better than the guy next to me. Yeah, his is an air ball too. You just compared an air ball to an air ball. All worth zero points. And Jesus Christ, the only one who's hitting it. The only one who's got it down. And well, how do we embrace that gift? How do we get that gift? In Romans 10, 9 and 10. That if we believe that God has raised him from the dead... If we believe that Jesus is God, he died on the cross for our sins and he is now alive. And if we confess him as Lord, like you have control in my life, Lord, please forgive me. You are Lord in my life. In that moment, it says you are saved. That's the gospel message, the good news. And so I don't know where you're at today, but my request to you is this. Embrace the good news. Last week at the nine o'clock service, we, uh, we had a, an awesome service as we sent off embassy suites and, uh, it was a great goodbye to that place and a great welcoming to this place. But you know, after the service, uh, we had a woman come up, her name was Julie after the nine o'clock and, uh, we spent a little time talking and you could just tell there was something, um, hurting and something distracting her and, uh, tears in her eyes. And I just said, are you okay, Julie? She said, no. And tears started running down her face and she told her story just in brief. Uh, she lost a child 
three-year-old child a couple years ago. And, and a marriage that's in pain right now. And trying to figure things out and not sure which way is up. And you could just see there was a sensitivity to things. I, I asked my wife and Julie to come. We went behind the screens over there at Embassy Suites. And we just walked through the same gospel message we just did now. And at the end I said, Julie, my question for you is this. Are you ready to trust in Christ? And as tears ran down her face, she said, yeah, I am. Right now. I am. Let's do this. And so I had my wife go get her friend, Libby. And the four of us gathered together, put arms around each other. And I said, hey, it's not about a prayer. But, but this is how it gets initiated. A great way to start it. Just saying to them where you're at. And so just pray after me. Tell them where you're at. And we prayed through a prayer. Lord, please forgive me. Replace what I owe. And use your shed blood. And I want you to be my God. And she accepted Christ right there. And my wife afterwards said to her, you got to know. Uh, the angels are cheering right now. We're told that they celebrate for every name written in the Lamb's book of life. Hey, God is at work in this place. Amen. And you might be here this morning and you're like, I've not had a chance to do this. And, and so I'm not moving on. And I want to make sure we uh, teach the word clearly and fully. And so let's just take a moment right here. And let's just pray to our God. So let's just bow our heads, close our eyes. And uh, yeah, there's still a third point. We'll get to it in just a second. My question is this. Have you trusted in Christ as your Savior? Have you put a stake in the ground that says, I'm yours. And like, I understand what you've done on the cross for me. And, and, and it's time for me to lean on you. Please forgive me and replace what I owe. Have you done that? If you haven't, then now's the time. And if you have, now's the time to be praying. Let me just ask you this. If you want to commit to him right now, just tell him. Just tell them in a prayer and repeat after me privately, quietly, right where you're at. I'm going to pray. Just repeat after me and tell them where you are. Just say, dear Heavenly Father, I know I'm not perfect. Lord, I need you. Please forgive me and use your shed blood to replace what I owe. I want to be done living for myself and I want to be living for you I believe that you're alive and I confess you as my king and my God you are my God in the mighty name of Jesus I pray amen hey just keep your heads bowed for a minute okay if you prayed that prayer today I want to pray for you I want to lift up your name and your condition before God and just lift you up in hope and joy and celebration. Would you let me do that for you? And what a great first step. It's just to let me know that I can be praying for you. Just raise your hand and let me know that you prayed that prayer. And I'll pray for you. I see your hand, bro. Amen. Amen. I see your hand. I see you. I see you, bro. Amen. 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 I see your hand. Amen. I see your hand. I see you. Anybody else? 
I see you. I see you guys in the back. Amen. Side by side. Love it. Amen. Amen. If you want to trust in Christ. Amen. Amen. You're kidding me. God's moving in this place. Amen. See ya. Time to commit to him with all you've got. Do not let this moment pass. Amen. I see your hand. Wow. God is moving in this place. Don't let the moment pass. If you feel like this is a time for you to say, Lord, I'm stepping out with you. Just raise your hand and let me know. Amen. I see you, bro. Amen. In the back. Amen. Wow. And we serve a huge God. Let me pray. Father God, we're in awe of who you are. Lord, we celebrate you with all we have. You are our mighty king. Lord, I pray for each of these now that have raised their hand and heard you speak. Lord, the veil torn back as they trust in you as Savior. My prayer is that you would light them on fire for who you are. Help us to partner together, Lord, that we as a family can launch forward. I pray that each of them could know you as Savior, as King. They could know this church as home and as family. Lord, I pray for each one of them that their lives could be lit up for you. It's in your mighty name I pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. God moving in this place. Wow. So, uh, hey, what do you do after that? Uh, point three. Not a bad point to have after this. We will proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and all for his glory. We will proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and all for his glory. Verse five. For what we proclaim is not ourselves. Everybody say not about man. Man, it just isn't about us. Set us aside. But Jesus Christ as Lord. That's what we're talking about. Jesus Christ as Lord. With ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Catch this. Paul does not say that he is God's servant. He says he is your servant. The people he's writing to. I'm telling you the only leadership in a church is servant leadership. There is no room for dictatorship. There is no room for sitting on top and lofting it up from above. And we are servant leaders. And I once heard it said by a senior pastor I had when I was younger, the bigger your church gets, the lower you get in some regards because you're serving more and more people. And I I love the ministry role and our staff loves the ministry role. And uh, hey, we love to serve. We love to lead as we go through that. And uh, we've got great vision for where God is headed with us. And we want to long for you and hurt with you in the midst of it. Uh, may we serve with you. May we go to bat with you in every area of your life. But remember, it's all about Jesus Christ and him crucified. Let's lift him up as our Lord. He says, for God, who said, let light shine out of darkness. Remember Genesis chapter one, when he said, let there be light. That's what he's saying. He created the sun and the moon and the stars. He's an amazing God. And with a spoken word, it is done. And that's our king. 
And his very presence in our lives can change us for eternity. It says, yeah, he spoke and said, let the light shine out of darkness. And he has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He has shown in our hearts, like as we accept him as savior, as the veil is torn back, as we grasp who he is, he takes up residence within and he begins to make it clear like never before. And we start hearing words about him and songs about him and verses about him that never hit with us before. And I'm telling you, all of a sudden, we're stunned with the greatness of God. He is shining in our lives. And there is a joy and there is a passion and there is a hunger. And the person next to you at work is like, what's with that guy? There's something really different about that guy. And Jesus shining in our hearts and lives. That's our job. Let him shine with all he has. May we get out of the way. And what is it that's shining? It says the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. And getting who he is. And maybe for the first time getting who he is and being in awe as you see God move. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Hey, it always comes back to our Savior. Amen. We serve a king who's in charge. And I love this verse. I threw in verse 7. For those of you who are with us all the time, you know I usually teach one section. It's like one bold heading to another, right? And uh, I'm breaking that mold, man. Verse 7. This thing is a powerful verse. You can't go past it. But we have this treasure. What treasure? The the light Of Jesus Christ in our lives pouring out of us. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Jars of clay. That means fragile, broken. That means very little worth. That's what jars of clay are. You can pick them on the pick them up on the street anywhere. That's what he was talking about. Really available, really handy, uh, not very expensive, gets the job done, but that's you and me. That's what we need to grasp. Not big us, little us, fragile us, easily replaceable us, massive God Almighty. That's what we're talking about. He says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We have a king who owns it all. And I'm telling you, he will return with glory. Our king who has it all in hand. And as he is moving and working in this place, as he is stirring in our hearts, know this, anything great happening, all about him. And so we look around this room and wow, God's at work. And please say it that way. We have a God who has a surpassing greatness that cannot be matched anywhere, unparalleled, as he gives us a life-altering experience with him. That's our king moving within us and shaping us. And hear me, for those of you who've been around for a while, you know I get pretty amped up about this. Uh, Revelation 19 to 22 is not some story. We have a king who today is seated at the right hand of God the Father, meaning the work is finished. But I'm telling you, he will return. He will return on a white horse in great glory. And the almighty king is going to take over for all of eternity. And we have one job to do, to worship him with all we've got. And it starts here and now. Amen. Man, we need to be worshiping him with all we have. Amen. Amen.
That's our God. And he gets everything from us. And nothing distracts us. We will not lose heart. We're focused on the holiness. We will not tamper with his word. I grasp that it's a spiritual war, Lord. And I'm all in. You have my heart. And Lord, I proclaim you as king. That's why we're here. And all of God's people said, let's pray.